landed. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons of flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and sing to it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into me slay that they may live. Live, 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 live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Live, 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 live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. How many are glad that he came out of that grave? Amen. Amen. Can you give him another hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated. We want to thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for uh, worshiping with us on this Easter morning, this Resurrection Sunday. If you're a guest, Thank you for uh, being with us. Uh, we uh, do, do not take for granted that you uh, joined us this morning. And we pray that, that something is said, something is done uh, that will change your life forever. Uh, if, you're, um, if you'll see in front of you a QR code. That QR code, uh, when COVID hit, you know, all the restaurants went to uh, having QR codes and so you didn't have paper menus. Well, we have a QR code on the back of the pew. Uh, if, if you know how to, uh, to pull up a QR code, you can pull out your phone. You can scan that. That'll take you to the Gateway Church lobby. In that lobby, you can do anything that you need to do. You can get prayer requests. Uh, you can give us a, a praise report. You can uh, ask about being baptized or you can give. Uh, all of those things are located right there, anything that you would normally do. And uh, if you're a guest, you can check in. You can let us know that you're here. If you're a regular, you can check in. Let us know that you're here. Um, there are also uh, at the back... Uh, there are boxes uh, for, um, for offering. Uh, we just do that as you come in or as you leave. Located on this side over here, there's a restroom, and there's also restrooms at the bottom of each step. Uh, we want to thank you for being here. We hope that uh, God does something in your life today. i 
you all stand back up with us as we continue to worship this morning? We'll sing about our living hope we have in Jesus. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is
resurrected Savior. And forever you're going to be glorified and praised. You deserve the honor and the glory and praise this morning and forever and always. And we lift up your name this morning, Jesus. We sing hallelujah this morning. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The them is overcome. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, the lamb has overcome, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, the lamb has overcome, we sing We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, the lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. 
sing hallelujah. Sing that out. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing in the name of Jesus. And we give you all the honor and glory and praise this morning, our resurrected King. You're glorified from now on forevermore. And we look forward to the day that we see you face to face and touch your nail-scarred hands that you paid the price on the cross for us. Love you, and we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. We want to welcome you again to Gateway Church. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are uh, starting a series today entitled I Am Jesus. And uh, we're starting to look at, you know, in today's society, we're, we're faced with so many different voices telling us so many different things about what they believe in Jesus is and who they believe that he is. They tell us what we should think about him, what we should believe about him. And, and honestly, we're pulled in so many different directions. If you do a quick Google search on just the topic, who do people believe Jesus is? You will find all kinds of different answers. And for the most part, Google is a, you know, if, if you don't know something, what's the first thing you do? You go to Google, right? 
Uh, I had someone tell me, they said, I hate Google because it used to be as we would just sit around and we would speculate the answers to questions. And we could just spend, you know, hours just thinking, well, it could have been this or it could have been that. You can't have that anymore. I mean, because within five seconds, you can have the answer. Within five seconds, you, you don't have to sit and waste time speculating or trying to remember. And um, so Google is a, is a great way to find answers. But, but when it comes to the question of who Jesus is, there is a, such a, a, a much, there's a much better place to go. There are four accounts of Jesus' life found in, in the New Testament. These four books are what we call the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the book of John, there are seven statements in which Jesus doesn't leave anything to, to the imagination. There are seven times that he, he comes out and he says a statement. And that statement begins with two words. And those two words are simply, I am. And so today, on the day that, that we celebrate Jesus doing exactly what he said he would do, when he said that, that they're going to put me in a tomb, but on the third day, I'm coming out. On the third day, I'm going to, to conquer death, hell, and the grave. So on today, this Easter Resurrection Sunday, it's only fitting that we look at what Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, when he said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now I'm going to tell my age, how many people cannot hear that verse with thinking of, without thinking of Carmen? Anybody? Anybody know who Carmen is? If you don't, Google it. Jesus makes this statement while he's dealing with the death of his friend Lazarus. And so today, I want to look just a little bit closer at this story. Uh, this story is, is found and it starts in John chapter 11, verse 1. When it says, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So here Jesus is. He's off in a distant place. And Lazarus becomes sick. And Mary and Martha, they become concerned about their brother. Concerned enough that they send someone to find Jesus. And to tell him, hey, Lazarus, you know, the, the one that you love, he's sick. And so in this moment, Jesus is receiving what would perceive to be bad news. Now, as you sit here this morning, I'm sure that, that all of us have received some kind of bad news at some point in our life. Maybe, maybe, it, was, maybe it was the exact same news. The one you love is sick. Maybe it, it wasn't that exact news, but, but maybe it was something devastating to you. Maybe the, the company you've worked for for 20 years have decided that they don't need you anymore. Or maybe your spouse walks in and, and says, this marriage, it's just not working for me. I, I want a divorce. Maybe it's a, a relationship that you've invested time and effort and, and it comes to, to an abrupt end. Maybe you get a, a call from the principal at your kid's school, and it's not to tell you that they made the honor roll. Whatever it is, you've got some bad news. We've all had those phone calls. We've all had those text messages. We've all had those conversations. So here Jesus is. He, he's just been brought some bad news. But in this moment, his response is amazing. His response is found in verse 4. It says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So in this moment that Jesus is receiving bad news, Jesus looks at the person who brought him this news. And he says, I know what it might look like, but it's not as it seems. Jesus is saying that the very thing that you wouldn't want to happen, 
The very thing that the enemy meant to take you out. God's going to bring glory to himself through this situation. So he's been delivered bad news. He tells the people that what seems like bad news won't end up being bad news. So in that moment, they think, okay, Jesus, he's going to come help. Jesus is going to, to head straight to Bethany. He's going to head straight to Lazarus. He's going to take this, what seems to be bad news, that Lazarus is sick. He's going to heal him. But instead, Jesus waits around two more days. So for two days, I can imagine Mary and Martha just, just watching, just listening for, for the crowd that was following Jesus because he always had people following him. Just looking out the window, waiting to see, is he coming today? Is he going to, to, to heal Lazarus today? All the time, Lazarus is getting more sick. But then after two days, Jesus tells his disciples, we need, we need to go back. We need to go there. And their response to him basically is, are you crazy? There are people who, who want to stone you. You can't just waltz into town in the middle of the day. And it's then we realize that the disciples don't even know what's going on. And Jesus looks at them and he says, Lazarus has fell asleep and I need to wake him up. And the disciples, if you read the accounts of the, of the gospels and the, the account of Jesus, you'll realize and see that the disciples, they weren't always the smartest. It took them, Jesus would have to tell them over and over and over again, sort of like you have to do your kids. He would have to tell them over and over again. And, and so his disciples said, you're going to risk your life to go wake up Lazarus? He's just asleep. Buy him an alarm clock. He's going to wake up. You don't have to, to, to risk being killed. And so then Jesus says, no, no, he's not asleep. He's not napping. He's dead. D-E-A-D, -D, dead. And I need to go raise him. And so up to this point, in this story, I want to look at three different characters, three different people that take part of this awesome story. One of the disciples, Thomas, Mary, one of Lazarus' sisters, and his other sister, Martha. Now, the interesting thing that we're going to find about all three of these people is all three of them are dying on the inside. And as I look at my life and I look at your life, I believe that, that at one point or another, if we're honest with ourselves, we're honest with God, we can relate. There's moments in our life that, that we feel like that we are dying on the inside. First, let's look at Thomas. Now, Thomas had quite the reputation. Uh, Thomas, it was hard to convince Thomas of anything. Uh, if you remember, after Jesus uh, resurrected, he said, I, I have to... Put my hand in your side. I don't believe it. He got, the, he got the reputation, the nickname, Doubting Thomas. Anybody ever heard of Doubting Thomas? So when Jesus tells him his plan, Thomas speaks up and he says this in verse 16. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Let us, let us just go with him so we can die too. I mean, Jesus is going to die. Let's just all go. Thomas is saying, I know what he's saying. But I think he's going to die and we're going to die too. Thomas doesn't believe that there's any way possible that this turns out well. And just like Thomas, many of us are dead in doubt. We are dead in doubt. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever said, I, I know what Jesus has said. You've even watched him perform miracles. Yet you still have this doubt. 
You, you still don't think that there's any possible way that it can end well. We've all been there. We've all prayed. You've believed that, that God could. You've thought that God would, and then he didn't. And when this happens, you begin to become filled, and, and you're overwhelmed with doubt. And you're left asking the question, why didn't he do what I asked him to do? Or maybe you were raised in the Christian faith. But you really didn't know why you believed what you believed. You had no foundation. And someone says something that, that challenges what you've always believed. And then all of a sudden you start to question. You start to have doubt. Is this real? Is this Jesus that we're talking about, is, is he real? Or maybe is it just something that, that my parents or, or my grandparents told me? Is the faith that I have, is it mine or does it belong to someone else? You're overcome with doubt. Or maybe you, you believed in God and then something really bad happened. And you ask the question, God, why does a good God allow bad things to happen? God, if you're all-powerful, if you're omnipotent, why didn't you stop it? And suddenly, like Thomas, you begin to die on the inside from your doubts. The next person in the story that I think that we can relate to is Mary. Mary was dead in discouragement. She was dead in discouragement. Uh, she had the, the, the woe is me attitude. Anybody ever been there? Anybody honest on this Easter? You can see nothing positive. You're discouraged. You can't see anything good happening. You're living your life just defeated because of discouragement. It seems like that no matter what happens, you just can't simply catch a break. So you, you live a life... And you get to a point that you're so dead in discouragement, you say, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to sit here. There's no use trying anymore. I give up. And in John uh, eleven twenty, we see that, that Martha ran out to meet Jesus. When Jesus finally comes, two days later, Martha runs out to meet Jesus. But we see Mary, it says Mary just stayed in the house. So she just sit there. In other words, she was saying, I'm, I'm done. Lazarus is dead. Jesus fooled around. He didn't care about us. She had lost all hope. And you may be here today, and that may be exactly where you are. You, you've lost all hope that anything will ever change. You've lost all hope. You feel alone. You think, I'm always going to be stuck in this job. My marriage is, is never going to get any better. Some of you walked in here today with your best Easter outfit on. You walked through the door, you put on your best smile. You answered all the questions right. You know, the God is good all the time and all the time God is good. You had all that Christian speech. When actually you're dying on the inside from discouragement. You maybe even do good for a while. You feel like, okay, things are going well. And then all of a sudden, bam, something happens. And it throws you off track again. The discouragement begins to rise up once again. And in that moment, in those moments, you find yourself dead in your discouragement. Your life becomes a, a vicious cycle. And you think, it's never going to end. I'm not going to try. There's no use going to church. There's no use praying. There, there's no use. There's, there's, use. there's no use going to counseling. There's no use. I, I give up. Discouraged. Defeated. The third person I want to look at is Martha. 
Maybe right now you're sitting here and you're not dead in doubt and you're not to a point of discouragement, but right now you're dead in delay. This is where Martha was. Martha was was thinking, why did it take so long? Why didn't he come sooner? He knew two days ago. And he didn't come. Verse 17 tells us that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. And so now they hear the rustling. They've been watching for Jesus, but, but now they hear the crowds. And Martha runs out while Mary stays in the house. Martha runs out to meet Jesus. And when she gets to Jesus... She says this in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, in Martha's mind, she says, you took too long. In Martha's mind, she's telling Jesus, your delay was way too long to meet my need and meet our need. She's saying Lazarus is dead. She even tells Jesus, as we'll see, when he wants the stone rolled away. She says, why would you want to do that? He stinks. I was talking to to my daughter last night, and we were talking about this story, and she said, he's stanky. The King James said, he stinketh. However you want to put it. He didn't smell good. So Martha's telling Jesus, you took too long, and because you didn't come when we thought you should have come, my brother, the one who you love, Lazarus, is dead. And he's not just partway dead. He's dead, dead. And he stinks. And some of you can relate to Martha in this story. You're dead in your delay. You've been waiting for for what seems like an eternity for God to answer your prayer. You've been waiting for God to, to send you that special someone. You feel like that you're always the bridesmaid and never the bride. Or maybe all of your friends are, are having children and you want one so bad, yet month after month after month you end up crying because of the delay. You've been praying for for, for that lost child, that wayward child. And it seems like that God's never going to answer that prayer. And with every moment that passes, a little bit of you inside is dying. You've been praying for for, for your friend to, to come to the knowledge, the grace and the power of God. You've been wanting so bad to see them experience the same thing that you've experienced, going from death to life spiritually. And you've been praying for them, but but the more that you pray, the farther away from God that they get, you feel dead in the delay. But this morning, I want you to know that just because God hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he isn't going to do it. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that he's not working all things together for good. And the very thing that caused you to be dead in delay, God can use it to be glorified in the end. In this story in John chapter 11, Lazarus dies. Thomas thinks Jesus is going on a suicide mission and he's taking all of them with him. Mary's depressed. Martha's mad. I mean, it sounds like a soap opera. Once you get in and start reading some some stories in the Bible, there are some really cool stories in the Bible. Sometimes you can read stories, and if you have a sense of humor, you can see that there's some things in there that are just funny. Now, this isn't funny, but this is a situation. This wouldn't be a comedy. This would be a drama. So here they all are in whatever state that they're in. Either dead physically or dead spiritually. Dying on the inside. Neither way is a way that you want to live. 
But then in verse 22, as Martha runs out to meet Jesus, in verse 22, everything changes. Because in that moment, she looks at Jesus. And by what she said, you know that she's not real happy. If you would have been here sooner, my brother wouldn't be dead. But in verse 22, it says, But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Even now. Even now. In that moment, her faith came alive. You might be here today, here today and you could be dead in your doubts. You could be dead in your discouragement. You could be dead in delay. You could be dead in your sins. But today you need to have this same moment that Martha had when she said, even now. Today you need to have an even now moment. You need your faith to come alive. You need to remember that all things are possible with God. Even now when you're discouraged. Even now when you have doubt. Even now, when things haven't happened when you think they should have, the Holy Spirit can give you a peace that you can't explain. And even now, God can fix that situation that seems unfixable. Martha looks at Jesus and she said, I know what it looks like, but even now I know. Even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask for. What she's telling Jesus is, is that I may be dying on the inside, but I believe. I believe. Even now, God can soften your heart. Maybe you're, you're, you're to a point where your heart has become callous toward God because of all the things that have happened in your life. Even now, he can soften it. Even now, he can draw you into his presence. Even now, the resurrecting power of Christ can bring dead things back to life. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He said, I am the resurrection. Now, I've heard it put this way, this way. I didn't come up with it. I wish I would have. But that the resurrection is not an event. It is a person. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It's not what Jesus does, but it's who he is. Dead things do not stay dead when the resurrection walks into the situation. So here, here he is. Lazarus is dead. Jesus comes to the tomb. There's a stone rolled in front of it. He tells them to move the stone. And he's standing in front of that tomb where deep within there's his friend who's, who's died. And he says this, he says, I, I, he's, he's praying to God. He said, I, I thank you that you hear me. And I know that you always hear me. But I'm saying these things so that the people around me will know that you sent me. Then in verse 43, he speaks to the one whom he loved. The person who had been dead. The person that everyone had given up hope of him ever being alive again. I mean, because even in this moment, it's when Martha said, why would you want to roll the stone away? She still didn't believe even though she said she did. And he looks into the tomb. And with a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. And I want to think about the tomb just for a moment. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus makes a correlation to people and whitewashed tombs. In this situation, he's talking about the, the Pharisees and how the, that they clean up on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of dead men's bones. Some of you are like that tomb today. 
You've walked in here looking as if everything is okay. But on the inside, you've lost all faith. On the inside, you've lost all hope. You feel like that thing on the inside of you that is dead will never come back to life. But today, just as Jesus stood in front of that tomb that Lazarus had been placed in, Jesus is standing in front of you. And he's rolled the stone away. And with that same voice that he called out to Lazarus, he's telling you, you can live again. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be set free. You can come alive. And it's not because anything that you've done, but it's because of what he's done. It's not because you're good, but it's because he's good. It's not because you're strong, but it's because he's strong. In this moment, there was nothing that Lazarus could have done to bring himself back to life. In this moment, there was nothing that his family, his sisters, Mary or Martha, could have done to make him live again. But the only reason that Lazarus was able to walk out of that grave was because that they knew the one who had the power to do it. They knew the one that cared about them and cared about their situation. It's the only time in Scripture that we see that Jesus cried. He came to the tomb. And in that moment, he was so moved. Even though he knew what was going to happen... He was so moved that he cried. You say, Pastor, why does that matter? It matters because today we celebrate a God that did something for us that we were incapable of doing for ourselves, Just like he did for Lazarus. Jesus became flesh. The one who knew no sin became sin. He became the, the, the perfect sacrifice. He, be, he walked on this earth, first of all, to teach us how to live. And then ultimately, to become the perfect sacrifice. He was beaten, he was whipped, he was bruised. He took on the sins of the world. The sins that, that you and I should have been paying for. He went to the cross. He looked up into the heavens. He declared, it is finished. He committed his spirit into the hands of the Father, the one who sent him. He was taken down. He was put in, put in a tomb. Everyone thought it was over. Everyone had lost all hope. Even though he had told them that he wasn't going to stay in the tomb. Just like he told Mary and Martha when he said, your brother will live again. He told everyone around him, all of this is going to happen, but I'm going to live again. And on that third day, the day that we celebrate today, he showed the entire world that resurrection isn't what he does, but it's who he is. He showed the world that he specializes in bringing dead things back to life. This story that we see in John chapter 11 was just a precursor as to what was to come. Jesus is standing in front of you today and he's saying that to you. He's saying you can live again. He's saying you might be dead, but you don't have to stay that way. Why? Because he declared, I am the resurrection and the life. You might be here this morning and you may be dead in your sin. You may be dead in your doubt. 
You may be dead in your discouragement. You could be dead in your delay. It doesn't really matter what's caused you to die on the inside. But it's the state that you find yourself. So this morning, I want to ask you the question. How many would would be honest on this Resurrection Sunday? You would say, Pastor, I'm sitting here this morning and I'm dead in my sin. I'm going to ask you just to, to, to bow your head. It's the most important moment of this entire day. You're sitting here this morning, you say, I'm dead in my sin. I've never confessed with my mouth and believed in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. But Romans 10, 9 tells us just that. It says, if you'll confess with your mouth that he is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can come alive. And the only thing that's keeping you from coming to life is confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come back to you because it's a, it's a personal decision. But how many would say, would you slip, slip Simply slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. That's me. Thank you. Dead things can come to life. Dead things can come to life. Anyone else? If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. You don't have to pray exactly the way that I pray. But confess with your mouth that he's Lord. Tell him that you believe in your heart that he rose. Experience life. Let's pray. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for bringing me from death to life. Father, I know that I'm dead in my sin but I want to live. This morning, April 17th, 2022, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And I know because of your promise, that today I can live. Father, thank you for bringing me from death to life. Can we stand all over this place and can we just give God a hand clap of praise for everyone who prayed that prayer, for everyone that came from death to life? That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. As we continue to celebrate those, you you might be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not dead in my sin. I'm more like Thomas or I'm more like Mary or I'm more like Martha. I, I know that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. But right now, I feel dead on the inside. My doubts... The discouragement, the delay, I feel dead. But I want an even now moment. I want an even now moment. Today, I want to declare that no matter what it looks like, I know that God can do whatever it is that I need Him to do. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? There's no shame in it. We've all been there. Thank you. 
We've all been there. I'm dying on the inside. God can change it. Today, you can come to life. So as we pray, before we close, and of course, if that's you, tell God in your own way, God, I believe. Just as Lazarus came out of the tomb, just as you, being Jesus, walked out of the tomb, When Jesus is around, dead things come to life. Tell him that you know that you can live. Father, I come before you right now. God, I'm so thankful for everyone gathered here today. God, you know their situations. God, you you know their, their discouragement. God, you know their doubts. God, you know their frustrations. But God, we know that you care. Just as when Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus. He cared about Lazarus. And Father, you care about us. And Father, I pray today that if there's those here that feel like that they're just a tomb filled with dead men's bones, God, that you will speak into their life right now and that you will breathe the breath of life. Father, we declare this morning that resurrection is not what you do, but it's who you are. Father, thank you for proclaiming that you are the resurrection and the life and that if we believe in you, Though we were dead, we can live again. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name. Can we give God another hand clap of praise this morning? Thank you, Father, for bringing dead things back to life. Thank you for changing lives and changing hearts this morning. Father, we worship you. Hallelujah. Can we close in this course just to proclaim that the reason that we're here Because he didn't stay in the tomb because he lives can go today and on your way living simply because he lives we love you thank you for being here and you guys are, are, are the smart ones you came to the early service so you can get eating earlier right if you're a guest stop out in the lobby and talk to us we've got a gift a gift for you uh, remember you can give on your way out let us know you were here if God did something in your life if, if he brought something dead in you back to life this morning, scan that QR code, go to the connect card and tell us what he did. It says that we are overcomers by the word of our testimony. We love you. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day.